thankful that we were able to find this chorus up here. Uh, as you see, this one who wrote... Does anybody know who wrote this chorus? Who wrote it? You, you raised your hand. Oh, so okay. If you raise your hand, I'm going to call on you. Okay, if you don't raise your hand, I won't call on you. Dennis Jernigan. Okay. All right. Uh, you can see this brother, how he much he loves the Lord. He's testifying of how the Lord is his strength when he's weak, when he's struggling with things. Uh, the treasure that is seek. Okay, let's go to the next verse. <laughs> next. There you go. He says, Taking my sin, my cross, my shame. Rising again, I bless your name. When I fall down, you pick me up. When I am dry, you fill my cup. Now, Dennis Jernigan was a practicing homosexual before he met the Lord. And he relates this song to his transition and some of the struggles that he went through. When he came to know the Lord, uh, the Lord became his precious treasure. But as you can see from some of the lyrics, uh, at times he, he fell down. At times the Lord picked him back up. And there was a, it's a precious testimony. Now, he has a website, DennisJernigan.com. It's pretty simple. And he has his testimony on there. Uh, it'd be wonderful if you have time. Because uh, I, I know I'm asking you to do something that you don't enjoy doing. And that is getting on your computer and searching for things on the Internet. I know most of you don't like to do that. But as a favor to me, would you go out and sometime look, you know, go to the Dennis Jernigan website. It also has all of his other songs on there that he's written. Uh, he has one called We Worship the Lamb of Glory. We will worship the Lamb of Glory. I'm not a singer, so I'm not, I'm not going to torture you tonight by singing. But um, the reason we started with that chorus because sometimes even when we approach this subject of the Okay, you can take this off now and put my stuff up. So I wait for him to walk away from the computer. As soon as he walks away, I get him to do something. <laughs> but um, I picked this song tonight to start with because sometimes when we think about the LGBT community, we think, wow, this is impossible. How, you know, uh, there's no way that uh, we can share the gospel with these people. There's no way we see some of them. They're so involved in it. There's no way that God can break through and um, draw them out of that. And there's no way that, I mean, how can I, as, as a Christian, um, be a friend to one of these people? And we see from many testimonies, not only of a Dennis Jernigan, but many others, how it was through the friendship of one person, through contact with a believer, that they started seeing a Christ that they had never seen before. They had somebody that loved them as they were, didn't agree with everything they did, uh, didn't accept them, for, you know, and, and they had an open, transparent, honest relationship. But they, could, they knew that this person cared for their life. And that's what drew this particular young man, Dennis, uh, to the Lord. And he has a wonderful testimony. And it encourages us because the world out there, they want us to believe that, you know, once you're in this LGBT community, that's it. You're there for life. You, 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 there's no changing at all. 
But there's a lot of testimonies of ones that have come out of the LGBT community and become so the world refers to as straight. And but you don't that doesn't get publicized a lot. And so, but we're thankful how the uh, how the Lord can work and touch lives and transform them. So, I wanted to read one scripture verse, and it actually kind of defines why we're here tonight. And it's in Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4, verse 5. As Paul is encouraging these ones. Colossians 4, 5. He says, I'm reading from New American Standard. It says, conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders. Or some translations say, walk wisely toward outsiders. Making the most of the opportunity. And letting your speech always be with grace, seasoned as it were, with salt, so that you may know how to respond to each person. And really, this is the situation that we find ourselves in. And many I've already seen some of the questions that you've asked. And the question is, you know, how do we respond to a person? How do we respond to this person? How do we handle this? And Paul is sharing here, that as we walk wisely, allowing the Lord's life to be our wisdom, that we not only we have grace, but we have salt. And salt preserves truth. Salt preserves things. It's just like with our Lord Jesus. He came full of grace and truth. And this is the, the life that we're called to walk. And in that moment, if we are in a right relationship with the Lord, we can believe and trust the Lord to give us the right words and the right way of handling the particular situations. We like to, all, we like to imagine a lot of what if. Well, what if I'm here? What if I'm there? But you're not there. Now, there's some real situations that you find yourselves in, and we can deal with those. And, but it's just this knowing the key thing. If we want to know how to relate to those within the LGBT community as a Christian, the very first step is our having our own personal, intimate relationship with the Lord every day. If we're not right with the Lord, how can we expect to have that good testimony? So that's what we're here tonight to share some things on how we can be relate to those that are unbelievers, relate to some that are believers but are still uh, have these temptations to be gay. And so we want to really allow the Lord to speak to us. So let's go. Let's have a, a word of prayer, and then we can move ahead. Lord, we are so thankful that we can be here tonight. We're thankful, Lord, for these young people coming out on a Saturday night, and we commit this into your hands that you'd really bless this time. There would be a richness unto you. Uh, we would have your wisdom and your covering, and, and Lord, this is uh, an issue that each one of us face in our daily life, and. We desire to, to handle it in, in a right way. Uh, we want to be a good testimony unto you. And at times we find ourselves in situations that we don't know what to do. But we're thankful you've made a way for us. And so we come, Lord, inquiring of you tonight. Would we have an open heart to learn of you that you could teach us so preciously in these days. In thy name we pray. Amen. Now, this afternoon, we had uh, the adults here, so we had to keep that a little more formal and keep them in, in check. We didn't want them getting out of hand. And so, 
this evening, we're basically going to go through a very similar type of presentation, but the atmosphere is going to be a lot more informal. If any of you, if, if I say something and if you have a question, feel free, raise your hand and say, and I can stop right there. I might tell you I'm getting ready to address that in the next minute or two, but we want this to be more of a time of fellowship and sharing together than these I don't really like being up here with this big intimidating lectern because it, it actually takes away from the spirit of fellowship. You know, now when Ezra stands up here, everybody gets quiet and listens to him. Uh, so, but don't pay attention to me. Act like this lectern is not here. And if you you have a question for myself or Stella, uh, she's she's back there, but she's uh, she's ready. And you can see when you ask me a question. And I don't know, you know what I do? I just look over to Stella. She's got the answer, I know. <laughs> We've been married 45 years. I know she has the answer. So what we want to consider tonight, and I know some of you were in, in Toronto. So some of you have heard some of this. This has been rearranged a little bit since Toronto. Uh, yeah, no, actually... Actually, I don't even need anything. Just move it. Yeah. All right. Yeah, ask and you shall have. Uh, all right. This way I can walk. If I walk around to mess up the mic, well, you can kind of hear me anyway. If you can't hear me, move up closer. <laughs> I'm not going to speak louder. So, and now I have to work this thing. Okay. Let's see. It goes this way. There we go. So, what we're looking at is maintaining a Christian testimony toward the the LGBT community. Now, I'm making an assumption. I had to explain this to your parents uh, and the adults, but I'm assuming that most of you all know what LGBT means. Okay? Uh, okay. It's lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender, just for somebody who's afraid to ask, raise their hand in case they don't. So, this is what we find. And really, the, the objective of the workshop, what we're looking at is how we can have this genuine testimony in this day toward that community. And this is going to be the outline of what we're going through. We're going to go through the first parts a little quicker than we did this afternoon. Uh, because we want to get to the really what... Now I get to play with the... If I can move around, I can play with this. See, so This is what we want to really highlight on is providing practical helps uh, as you relate to one another and relate to your friends. Now, it might even surprise you when I say that relating to your LGBT friends that are believers. But there are many out there uh, that are homosexual. They either, some are still, that are believers. And we have to know how to relate with them and how we can encourage them. And particularly as they have an, an, this understanding. But we're not here, as I say at the bottom, we're not here to teach you how to debate or argue the issue. Because this is not a, an argument that you will win from your natural mind. Okay? Whenever you debate or argue something, you have to have what's called <clears throat> certain authoritative literatures. If you're... Oh, since you're moving. Oh, we need to get you. Oh. I was hoping you wouldn't record it. I've got to be careful what I say now. <laughs> <clears throat> but if you're debating something, uh, you're going to be one to, to strengthen your debate. You're going to quote authoritative literature. 
And to us as believers, the Bible is an authoritative piece of literature. We think this is God's word. This is the authority. This is what I base my reasoning and my thoughts on. Well, to the world, it's not authoritative literature. So you can quote the Bible all day long to your friends, and it's not going to win the argument because they don't they don't value that as an authoritative literature. They have their own documents that they're going to rest their argument on, and we don't recognize their documents. So it, we're not talking about arguing or fighting or debating. What we're trying to talk and have our time around tonight is how can we as Christians rightly relate to those that identify with the LGBT movement? Okay, So that we can, because really most within the LGBT community uh, have a false impression of Christianity. Many of them within that community their impression of Christianity is that what, as they marched in their gay pride parades, they would see Christians on the side of the parade with a placard that's saying, God hates fags, or queers are going to hell. And so they had this image that Christians hate them. And it's tragic how we as believers have done a very poor job of relating to this specific set within the community and life we live in. And so what we're trying to do, and we're gonna we'll see this a little later, is that we could have that right testimony. Because we're not in it, we're not in this to win the culture war. You know, we're not gonna win the culture war out there. But we can we can be those that can be compassionate and yet uncompromising uh, in, uh, in the middle of a culture that celebrates what the Bible calls sin. And when I'm talking about celebrating, I'm talking about how they use the phrases like gay pride. There's a celebration associated with it. They have their rainbow that lights up the White House and lights up everything. And people celebrate this. And so, how do we, as, as this tide of our culture is going one way, how do we, as believers, really relate to them. So, now I'm just going to quickly go through uh, some Old Test, some verses in the Scripture. Okay. In the Bible, there's three Scriptures in the Old Testament. The story of Sodom and Gomorrah. And I think you're probably familiar with that. And then there's two in Leviticus that speak about how homosexuality is a sin, an abomination. Okay. That's the three. There's three in the New Testament. You've got one in Romans, one in Corinthians, and one in First Timothy. Okay. Now, I'll, let me just say this too. If anybody would like, instead of trying to write all this down, <clears throat> if anybody would like a copy of this, I can email it to you. I can email the file. You can have the whole presentation. So, uh, if you'd like it. If you don't, that's fine too. So, uh, but as we see in Romans, uh, it talks about how they do the unnatural thing of a man with a man and a woman with a woman. And in Corinthians, it's just talking about a whole bunch of uh, sins there, also the, the homosexuals. And also within Timothy, it speaks of how there's such... Uh, uh, the, it talks about the, the, the various immoral... <laughs> you know, he's trying to be subtle <laughs> and unconscious. You know, he didn't want to disrupt anything. <laughs> so he subtly passes this over. All right, but I appreciate it. 
Huh? Oh, okay. Does that do something? All right. All right. Okay. We'll make it through tonight. All right. <clears throat> so, actually, I think I'll just sit these down. And I can just point up here. I can look and see where we are. So, that's the... And then, <clears throat> we also see how the Bible gets misinterpreted. Now, we're not going to go through all the details of these misinterpretations. But, I just wanted to make you aware of them because... Sometimes if you're talking about it and somebody say, the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says this. You can, none of us, you know, I, I, I do remember uh, when I was a, a younger believer and if somebody said, the Bible doesn't say that, it says this, I was rattled because I didn't know the Bible that well. <laughs> and I thought, well, they must know it better than I do. And there's some, So people can say, well, the Bible says this or that. And that's why it's good for us to know what the Bible does say so that when people throw it back in our face, it doesn't, we don't get shaken by it. For example, like with Sodom and Gomorrah. I'll just use this one. They say that it was... Uh, once They misinterpret that story and say it was only uh, destroyed because of a lack of hospitality and not caring for the needy. And they actually use a Bible verse to say that. It's in Ezekiel 16.49. That's a verse I know you're all familiar with, Right? You're very familiar with Ezekiel 16. So, uh, but you'll see that in Ezekiel, whoops, that's wrong. It says you're just, God was unhappy because it didn't help the poor and needy. So, in a way, there's a partial truth there. And oftentimes, arguments are built on partial truths, not whole truths. But if you continue on into Ezekiel, it shows right there how it was really because of the abominations. Sometimes they'll say, well, Sodom and Gomorrah was, uh, the Lord destroyed it because he condemned it because it was unconsenting sex. Consensual sex is okay. No. It doesn't matter, and we'll talk more later, it doesn't matter if sex outside of marriage is consensual or not consensual. It's still a sin. Um, also, they try to make a big, inter big difference between Old Testament and New Testament. They say, oh, the Old Testament was just, we're, we're free from all of that. And now we're under grace. Well, actually, the standards of grace, if you think of the Sermon on the Mount, uh, what's, what's the issue of Sermon on the Mount on adultery? If you start to think of something wrong in your heart, if you start to think, it's a, it's a heart issue now. This is what God's after. He's after our hearts. So this is what um, we can see how ones try to, they, they start trying to confuse us by using various scriptures. And also, um, in Corinthians, they'll say, well, it's just... Paul used that word in Romans about being natural. How it's nat they do their what they feel natural. Well, the natural there, they misinterpret. Because that natural is that Paul uses, it refers to God's created natural order. Not what feels natural to you. So, when one's challenge and use various uh, arguments, I just simply want you to, to be aware of these things so that your faith doesn't get shaken. And it's one of the reasons why it's good not to even try to enter, enter into a debate uh, about this uh, because they have a different agenda than we have. And it's really... what, sh what And we'll talk more about this later, but what really uh, impacts people's lives much more than your biblical knowledge 
is your Christian walk. When they see Christ in you, they see something that you have. They see a peace in you that they don't have. And that's what that's what will impact them. Now, some will say, and this is, here again, this is a partial truth. Some will say, Jesus never spoke about homosexuality, never condemned homosexuality specifically. And that's right, he never did. He never specifically used the word homosexual. So they can, they'll say, oh man, that's, I didn't know that. But what Jesus uh, condemned is what we see here in Matthew 15. He uses the word for this word that gets translated a lot, fornications. And the Greek word is porneia. Now we get our word, obviously, pornography from that. But the Greek word for porneia is far more inclusive than just pornography. It speaks of any kind of sexual sin. Any kind of sexual activity out of marriage, whether it's heterosexual or homosexual. It's just, it doesn't matter. If you're having sex with anybody before you're married, that's wrong. Yeah. And the call of God is for us to live a celibate life until we're married. And it doesn't matter whether it's consenting or unconsenting. And then it goes on, it also includes adultery, pornography, uh, sexting, and any other thing. If you have friends with benefits. I had to tell your parents what friends with benefits meant. So now they all know. So um, you can go home and test them tonight and see if they listen to me. And they, they say, say, what did Max say friends with benefits meant? Okay. And they'll get, their face will turn red and they'll get embarrassed. But anyway, they'll, they'll get over it. But anyway, we see how... Uh, <laughs> but we see how Jesus didn't specifically... Uh, condemn homosexuality, but in an all-inclusive way, he condemned all sexual sins. He didn't go list by list by list. He just, in an all-inclusive way, any sex outside of marriage between with marriage between a man and a woman, we'll look at that in a minute, is a sin. And he's displeased with that. Okay. Now, uh, Sometimes we get intimidated uh, when ones uh, bring up various things. And if we don't know what uh, God's Word means and the, the assurance we have, uh, we can be thrown off guard. And the popular way that people like to intimidate us today is by saying that we're... Whoops, wrong one. Whoops. Uh, it's being called a bigot. Sometimes we'll, somebody will come out as gay and was oh, they'll say, well, you're a bigot. So then we start to change. Well, I don't want to be a bigot. Well, have you really, have any of you ever gone to the dictionary and looked up what bigot means? And it's, it's actually pretty ironical, uh, as I say here, because a bigot is a person who is intolerant to, to those holding different opinions. So it's actually a bigot calling you a bigot. Because they're intolerant of you because you have a different opinion. So they're the actual bigot. Now don't try to get into a word game with them. You're never going to convince them that they're bigots. But that's that's the irony of it and the, the blindness of the argument and the stupidity of it. And it just doesn't make sense. And because we see there's something more going on. Um, and so we need to be those that uh, are really founded in the Lord. And don't even when we have ones that are close to us. You know, maybe you'll have a a brother or a sister or a cousin or somebody close to you that you really love that, that comes out gay and we say, well, 
maybe it's not that bad. I really love them. We can, uh, and so we start making excuses for them. And no, we can still love them without uh, approving of their actions and everything. No. And because of that, that's one of the reasons we want to get into this little phrase called desensationalizing the sin. Okay. We had a couple of questions that came out about this word abomination. Okay. And in the scripture, it's called an abomination. And it's something that's just a detestable deed uh, to the Lord. And throughout, throughout scripture, there are many things that are called abominations. Pride, lying, uh, stealing, uh, deceiving people. All of these are abominations. And we, when we have a we're proud in heart or anything like that, that's an abomination. And as you look through the scripture, one of the things that is so neat to see uh, because is that God calls the act the abomination, not the person. Okay? In the scripture, the word homosexual is never used as a noun. It's always used as a verb, as a description of a practice or an act. Okay? Just in recent cultures, within the uh, last century, we have turned it into it's being used as a noun. But before that, it never was. It was always a verb or an action. And this is where, so we can see how you know, these, these things can, can impact us. But even in the New Testament scriptures, look at all these other things that are mentioned right along with homosexuality. Uh, greed, envy, murder, strife, arrogant, boastful, disobedient to parents. I, that, sorry, that's in there. But that's on the same level as homosexuality, which is that abomination. So what you see is really that it's not... Sometimes we try to make this whole homosexual thing such a big sin. It's a sin. But all these other things are sin too. God hates sin. And it's like we're we're weakening the other sins. And not so much that this one gets stronger. It's a worse sin. We're just downplaying. Well, I just lied a little bit. We We don't realize how much... Sin itself is an abomination to the Lord. And so, it's interesting, even as you look in the Scripture, uh, now we're not going to go through all this, but how God, when He compares the actions of those in Sodom and Gomorrah to those in Jerusalem, where the people were leaving God, He said the people in Jerusalem were doing worse things than the people in Sodom and Gomorrah. Because at at the bottom here, the Lord is, is far more troubled by the lack of obedience of His people than by the sinful actions of unbelievers. You know, the, the unbeliever doesn't know. But those who believe, those who know Him, that's what, He's looking for us to be obedient. And when we're disobedient to the Lord, it actually is a greater offense than what the world and unbelievers do out there. And that's why it's so good, important that we have this testimony, proper testimony before the Lord. Okay. And because before the Lord, as we're meeting with different ones out there, the core issue is first this matter of sin in their life. It, and it's this matter of that very Adamic nature that they have, that we each have within us when we're born before we know the Lord. And so I don't know if in, in classes and your Bible studies, the book of Romans starts out with, 
in the first it talks about sin, dealing with that natural Adamic nature. And that's what every unbeliever gets dealt with. Then it gets into dealing with sins of how we work out those things through our sanctification. And it's really important for us, as we, particularly as we're dealing with unbelievers, there's this little phrase, our call is to lead them to Christ, not to change them to heterosexual. Okay. We're not called initially. We're, our calling is to bring any unbeliever to Christ. You know, we can, sometimes we can separate this LGBT group and think that they're, they're a separate group. But the Lord, uh, He looks at all unbelievers in the same way. And the Lord is the answer for all of them. So if we have a, uh, there was one of the questions was, how do we share the gospel with an LGBT person? Well, how do we share the gospel with any unbeliever? We share Christ. It's not like there's one gospel for the LGBT people and there's one gospel for my friends who are sleeping around in a heterosexual way before they're married or my friends that are doing drugs. It's not like we have all these different gospels. We've got one gospel and we, do, we share it in a very personal way and the best way of sharing the gospel is saying who Christ is for you. Who is Christ to you? And do they see Christ in your life? And that, so this is what we're, when we're speaking of this matter of we call to lead them to Christ, not to change them to heterosexual. This is what we're looking for. And that's what God is after. And because in His great love, He always has this way of drawing them unto Himself. Many will say the Bible is homophobic. No, it's not. The Bible uh, doesn't hate or ostracize any, any, any category of people. It hates sins. But tragically, many Christians have treated homosexuals in a wrong way. They have, we have not presented the love of Christ to them in a way that would encourage them or make them jealous to be a Christian. We've, we've ostracized them. And like several of the questions we got were, can I be a friend with somebody who's a homosexual? Can you be a friend? And so I always kind of just turn it around and say, can you be a friend with any unbeliever? But how does that person come to know the Lord? And we'll talk a little more about that uh, as we go along here. I'm speeding through this first part here. Uh, and also, uh, we, I don't want to get hung up on this, but let's, let's be careful on the words we use. In the, the, the paradigm of marriage is set by God, is a man and a woman. That's standard. That's what marriage is in the Scripture. It's a man and a woman. Uh, and so when we use words like same-sex marriage, we're saying that, that we're, giving, we're in agreement that's a marriage. And it's not a marriage. It's a union. It's going to be a legal uh, arrangement, the law of the land. Regardless of what the laws might say, the world might call it that. But in our eyes, in our standard, that's not a marriage. Okay. And so we, can be, we have to be careful how we even use certain words. And even the words like gay Christian. Okay. Are, we identi- are you known as an Asian Christian? Are you known as a flushing Christian? Are you... Our, our identity is Christ. We're just known as Christian. You're a Christian who lives in Flushing. You're a Christian who may be Asian. And maybe you're a Christian who has some gay tendencies, or gay uh, attraction. Yeah. 
But that does, it doesn't make you a gay Christian. It does, you're not identified that way. Okay. But we see how we don't allow our, our, our identity is in Christ. And that's what we're looking for. And also, we have, even among the LGBT community, there's not a consistency of word definition. Some people use gay and homosexual to, to include everything, whether they're active or passive. Others include it just to be those that are active. And if they're not practicing, they're just called ones with same-sex attraction. So we, we have to be careful even in the words we use. And I'm, don't get hung up on using words. Again, this is just to quickly make you aware that a lot of these things are out there and it, it can be confusing. One person might use this word this way. Another person uses it that way. Um, so if you're in a conversation, you want to ask questions and really see what, what ones are talking about and listen. Okay, now, here, we, here we're coming to the more practical part where most of y'all's questions and everything come from. Okay. <clears throat> Let me think. When it comes to relating to our LGBT friends, okay, we need to really, the, the example we have is we need to look at Christ and to see how Lord, the Lord related to ones upon this earth. How did He conduct Himself? And we see, as He's described, as the one that was full of grace and truth. And so practically, how does that work out? Well, we can say that it, it be, can be, we can be accepting of a person without approving of their actions. And we'll talk about some examples of that with Christ. And we can be loving to them without compromising the situation. We can care about them, but we don't compromise our standards. And we can be compassionate with them without commending them for their actions. And, but, and there's the, the old phrase, this has been around for many years, of loving the sinner and hating the sin. But as we're dealing with our LGBT friends, LGBT friends, we have to we have to remember that they fall into two categories. You have those that are unbelievers, and the key there is salvation. And there, it's so there, there's really, as we deal with any unbeliever, there's this personal life-changing encounter. They have to, we have to bring them to Christ and allow them to have this encounter with Christ. And also, then when it comes to dealing with believers, it's this matter of sanctification. The process of being conformed and transformed into His image. Okay. So I've been going, I went through all that pretty rapidly. We're getting ready to get in a little more of the practical side. Are there any, I'll start, are there questions? Anybody have a, a thought or a question? Okay. All right. Now, relating to unbelievers. We relate to them as we, we see the example that Jesus gave and how in Matthew 8 he touched, he, he met this leper along the way. And the beautiful thing you see in Jesus' life was that he met people just as he was walking through daily life. And that's really how we do. As we're going through our normal daily life, different ones will come across our path. We actually don't have to go out. I was joking this afternoon. We like 
Jesus didn't go wake up in the morning and say, okay, today I'm going to go to the LGBT community. Tomorrow I'm going to go to the lepers. Today, This day I'm going to go to these people in adultery. He didn't pick sinner. He didn't have special focus each day. He just walked through his daily life. And as he walked in daily life, once came across his path. You know, and I'm thankful how in your lives, it sounds like from the questions, many are coming across your path and you're just not certain of how do you handle it now. Uh, you've got these ones that you're either working with or you're in school with, and they're asking you these questions. They're trying to push you this way or encourage you this way. and So they're, they've come into your life. And how can you, in an effective way, have that Christian testimony that will win them to the Lord? And we see how Jesus, as He went, he touched that leper. He reached out right where that person was. And that was so against, it was all against all the religious laws, against all the social norms, everything. Because a leper meant somebody in sin. It represented sin. They were just dirty and filthy. But he, he reached out and he touched it. He got, he got associated with that person. And as we encounter people in life, it, it will cost us something in our life to to spend time with them and to, to draw them to the Lord if we have that sensing. Now, I'm not saying that everybody that crosses your path, you're supposed to meet you know, They're the one that you're going to uh, be so involved with. But as you're walking through life, the Lord, you, the Lord will you'll have a sensing within. Maybe you know, say something to this person. Do something with this person. You know, there's that no... This is why we've got to have that daily relationship with the Lord to be sensitive to Him to know how we relate to one another. And then we know the story of the woman caught in adultery there. And how did the Lord treat her? You know, He forget, He didn't, yeah, He looked around, is anybody without sin? Can anybody cast the first stone? And nobody, because none of us can cast stones, because we're all sinners. But He, he, didn't, he didn't just write it off and say, okay, he said, no, go and sin no more. He told her that what she had done was a sin. In love, he said, that was a sin. Don't do it anymore. You know, okay. And that's, that's the grace and truth in a very gracious way. He, he was identifying that and told her to go on. And also with, uh, you know, like Zacchaeus up in the tree. He was walking by and Zacchaeus was that tax collector and yeah, I love how the Lord it says the Lord looked up to Zacchaeus. Uh, we usually think the Lord looking down. It says the Lord looked. It almost shows you how humble he was to look up and to win Zacchaeus over. So there, we see as you go, just read back through the scriptures in a fresh way. Read back through the Gospels and start to look specifically how Jesus related with individuals. And Stella and I were reading today in the Gospel of Luke. And it says, Be kind and merciful to those that are ungrateful and evil. Even those ones that are not treating us very well. We're kind and merciful to them. Because in Romans it says, It's the kindness of God that leads to repentance. And now we can, as we said, we can accept ones you know, where they are, but we don't approve of their actions. We don't, you don't see Jesus you know, 
He did. He accepted ones where they were, but if, if they were involved in something, he didn't go out clubbing with them at night, or, or he didn't go bar hopping, or he didn't go to this, you know, get involved in pornography or anything with them. It was a clear line and a clear distinction, but he accepted them just where they were and tried to set them free from that. And also, it's a good picture of that story of the Good Samaritan there. Of here, there were these real religious people. But there was a person in need. But those religious people weren't willing to go and help this person who had been beaten and robbed, who was down, who was, in, was dirty. He, they, weren't, they didn't have the time. They didn't want to get their hands associated with that. They only wanted to be so religious, set apart. But the, that Samaritan came along. He picked him up out of the dirt. And, and sometimes you've probably got some friends that... Uh, to pick them up, you just feel like they're dirty. What they've been involved in is like, it's so bad. But praise God, the arms of Christ reach to them. And we pick them up and we walk with them. We help them get washed off. We help them get cleaned off and, and bring them to the Lord. That's the compassion of Christ that we see. And so how do we relate to unbelievers? Okay, because there was a lot of uh, things. We said, how do we relate to our LGBT unbelieving friends? And I've actually added this other little word, any unbeliever. Because as we said, we relate to just unbelievers in a similar way. We don't relate to one group one way and one group another way. But we see, first of all, treat them as a person. Don't take them on as a project. See them as a living person. This is a person that is in need. And if they don't find Christ, they're going to hell. They will be spending their life in eternity. And pray that the Lord would give you a compassion for them. And that the Lord would really allow us to see them for what the tragic path and have that compassion for them. And ask about their life. You know, as they, the ones tell you, well, you know, I've, I've gotten into this LGBT community. Ask them, how did you get into that? What led you? Not in a challenging way, but just to, to find out about them. Sometimes you find out that ones got into it because they were abused as a child. It's tragic the, the number of uh, abused people, uh, the children that get abused, and then they end up in this community. Many, however, go into that community simply because of acceptance. They, they're a little strange in life. Maybe a, a guy is maybe a little more effeminate. A girl is a little more masculine. Uh, all the, maybe they have a quirky personality and people laugh at them and they don't find acceptance in the general norms and standards of life. And, but then they, all of a sudden they find this community, this group of people who accepts them just as they are. And to me, this is one of the tragedies is that these ones can't find acceptance among the people of God because we should be the ones that are most compassionate and most accepting to try to reach out uh, to ones and be a friend be a friend to them. And Jesus was, as we said, He was that friend of sinners. And in being that friendship, you can we can pray for them. We can ask how their life is going. And ask them, is there anything I can pray about? Uh, is there, how is your life? And when they do good things, 
when they do positive things, you can acknowledge it. It's not like you've just got to totally disassociate. But as you build this relationship with them, these ones that are in your path, you and you see like at school, if they did really good on a test or if a project that you were working on and, and they did a good job on it, acknowledge that. Say, wow, that was really great that you did good on that test. See, show them that you're interested in them as a person. Even though you know they know that you know they're in this LGBT community, they see that in spite of that, you still care about them as a person. But you're not participating. You're going along with their actions. But And then how do we share the good news with them? In the right time and in just a, a way that is not uh, intimidating, we can share who Christ is to us. Share the good, share the things in your life. Wow, you know, before that test, I didn't know how I was going to do, but I had myself and a few of my friends prayed, and things really went well. Or I was looking for a job, and I testified, and I had a prayer answered, and this happened, and not in a uh, a condescending way, but in a real, in the reality of what who Christ is to you. Share your personal testimony. Uh, in that with them, and so and just make it part of your normal conversation. Uh, many of us are very uncomfortable about saying, mentioning that we're Christians, and I know in the society we live in today, just you just don't walk around and blurt that out among anybody. But the people that the Lord's brought into your life and you're close with, there's ways that we can just in our normal conversations. Let people know that we're Christians. And, you know, I was praying about this or I was doing this or, you know, I was with some people at a youth group. or the, Again, not in a looking down way, but just in a normal conversation. And that you're relating to them as you would with any other person. So, uh, and again, just remember that we're not in it to win a debate, but to keep the door open for sharing the gospel. Many of the, there are many wonderful testimonies, like this Dennis Jernigan that I mentioned. Many wonderful testimonies of ones who, they came to know the Lord because one or two people took an interest in their life. And they walked with them through some of the difficulties of life. They, they were with them uh, through the challenges and the, the stumbles and all, but they, they weren't turned off. Even though they were, at that time, before they were uh, uh, believers, they were maybe active in the LGBT community, there was still a person there who would care for them as a a friend and and be interested in them. Uh, But it was clear that they they weren't approving of their actions, but they knew that this person had a care about them as a person. Okay. And that's, that's the ones the Lord brings into our lives. And that's what we can, um, that's what, uh, that's why I keep trying to bring it back to a personal level. Because if we start talking about that, quite often, ones will come up and, as, it, as we say here, they'll start saying, well, all these Christians do this. I know a Christian who does this. I know a Christian who does that. And, you know, we can't defend or speak for other Christians. The only person we can speak for is ourselves. You know, I don't. I don't know why this Christian did that. I don't know why they did that. 
But as far as I know, this is who Christ is to me. And this is the impact He's had on my life. And this is how I know He's real. I don't have all the answers about Christ. You know, sometimes we feel uncomfortable if we don't know an answer. Somebody say, because the world, you're supposed to be experts in everything. And, if you, and we just say, well, you know, I really don't know all that. But I do, the part of Christ I know is this, that He helps me, He comforts me, He assures me, He keeps me secure. Who is Christ to you? And that's, that's our testimony. And that's what we share. And that's why we have to stay so fresh every day because we never know who will come across our path one day. But we want to be those that are ready when they do come across our path. So how do we handle it when a friend comes out all of a sudden and comes out that they're gay? Uh, you know, one of the things, and I don't know if any of you have even... Have any of you all ever had a, a close friend to come out and to tell you that they were gay? That person is actually showing a great amount of respect and trust for you because they're making themselves vulnerable. Okay, It sounds strange, but they, uh, they realize that by when they announce that they're coming out as gay to certain people, that there's the possibility that they might be rejected. Okay, And particularly if they know you're a Christian, and they finally decide to come out to you and say, I'm gay. You're my friend. We've known each other a long time and I'm gay. You might have had your suspicions. They're actually entrusting themselves to you with something very vulnerable in their life. Okay. And what I'm trying to do here is t- twist the picture around because we often think, how am I going to react? Well, if we can have a little bit of understanding of what's going on in, in, within them, it helps us to react a little better. Okay, So at that moment, that person, in their vulnerability, they don't know if you're going to reject them or if you're going to accept them. So we have to realize, and, and many of them, when they're doing this, they're also building up, their, they've got a defense mechanism, a defense barrier, because they're, they're ready for rejection. Because most often, with the, if they know you're a Christian, they're, they're, they've been trained, <laughs> you're going to reject me. Or if it's somebody in the family, the, the family's going to reject me, or whatever. But in Christ, we see that Christ didn't reject the sinner. So that's why we need to be really gracious. And as they share, uh, this is only by his by God's grace. Don't look disappointed at the person. Oh, I'm so sorry you like that. <laughs> you know, don't, don't 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 look disappointed. Don't look shocked. Like, oh my God, you're not one of those. <laughs> you know, you know, and in ourselves, we all react different ways. Okay, just try by God's grace to keep that straight face and a compassionate and. Don't get mad or upset like, you idiot, what are you doing? Don't you know you're going to ruin your life and this and that? And what's your family going to think? And on and on and on. Or you're, you know, this, the, I talked to the parents this afternoon. I said, you know, if one of your children come out like this, don't, don't bring it out. What, how are you going to, you've shamed the whole family and you're causing us to lose face and we're going to disinherit you. That, that, that's not the way for Christians to respond. You know, um, 
I'm not saying this is this is something that only by the grace of God and you being in a strong place in the Lord, you can go through this particular moment or this encounter that you have. Because in the days we're living in, more and more people, it seems, will be coming out this way. Uh, and we, and this is not a formula here. It's not like, okay, Mac said if they come out, I do this, this, and this. No. <laughs> what Mac is saying is you've got to be strong in the Lord every day and in a right place so that when this moment might occur, you know, you don't, this is not one of those uh, moments that you can anticipate, oh, okay, today I'm going to meet so-and-so and they're going to come out and so we can prepare for it. It generally will catch us by shock. They'll say, oh, I've been wanting to tell you something. It's not like there's this planned meeting, a coming out meeting that you can prepare for. It'll normally be an instantaneous type of meeting an encounter, and it's only by the grace of God and, and His life within us that we can keep our composure and handle it in a right way. And this is not the time to start throwing out the Bible verses. They're not there for a, a Bible lesson on, on this. Many of some who maybe have a, a Christian background maybe even know the Bible verses. But it's not that time. And don't at this point, don't talk about try to get them a counselor to fix their problem. <laughs> now, praise God, there's some groups out there that will help people. Once somebody really desires to get free of this, there are some groups, but this is not the part. But just this is a time for us to reaffirm our love and establish, keep the relationship, keep the door open. that We can continue to talk with them and pray with them. And also, if if we do react, and because we all, we, none of us bat a thousand. We don't handle things right. And even if you've already, maybe you reacted wrong with somebody uh, who came out or said something and you, you had a bad, just humble yourself and go back and say you were wrong, not so much for your thoughts. You're wrong for the way you react. You were repenting of your actions. Okay, we didn't react the right way. I still I have my same beliefs, but I should have handled it in another way. And in that, uh, you know, we we repent for our actions, not our beliefs. Okay. Now, uh, how do you respond when the unbeliever asks you, "What do you believe?" If any of you, has anybody ever been asked by uh, anybody, particularly this, what do you believe about this matter? Well, it could be, yeah. I mean, and that's a, again, this is not a, a planned question. It's all of a sudden in a conversation you're with somebody and they say, what do you think of this? Yeah, what do you think? Of, and, and Okay. Yeah. Well, Tragically, many Christians handle this the wrong way. We either we kind of go one way or the other. We misunderstand love and grace, and we accept and approve of the sin. And or others get so hung up on the truth that they reject the person. This is where so often Christians will reject the person and accept the sin instead of accepting the person and rejecting the sin. We get it backwards, okay? Because we, 
But we, we compromise on that. But somehow, again, by God's grace, in a loving, gracious way, reaffirm to them that you care about them. Reaffirm that you have, um, you appreciate their friendship and how you have been together for this time. Uh, but that you don't approve of their actions. But you're also saying, you know, I don't approve of your actions, but I... I still accept you as a friend. I'm, I'm willing to accept you as my friend and knowing your actions and your beliefs. And all I'm asking of you is the same thing. Would you accept me for my beliefs? You know, I'm willing to have a, maintain this friendship with you even though you have these beliefs. Are you willing to have a friendship with me knowing that I have these beliefs. Okay. And some will just, what will happen is some will say, yes, we can continue on and have a friendship. And others will say, no, that door is shut. But it, it doesn't shut out your love or your prayer for them. So it can be, at times, that door can be slammed. Uh, we mentioned this afternoon, uh, one of the reasons we first started uh, considering this matter is that Stella's brother is a homosexual. Uh, he's had a partner for many years. And uh, we have worked through the process of uh, having our relationship with him. Uh, and then some things occurred uh, where he actually shut the door to us a few years ago. Um, we still love him. Uh, I try to, and, but at this point, uh, he has he shut the door. Uh, we, we pray for him that the Lord would set him free. Uh, and it, it hasn't been very, it's very easy because, I mean, it's, it's her brother. Um, and so, but we, we have to remain faithful to what God shows us as truth um, and believe the Lord. And her brother is a believer. Okay. He used to come to the conference in Richmond during the summers where he was saved. Uh, but it, it, it we find ourselves in these situations. They don't always work out perfectly as the way as we would like them to work out. But we've still got to be faithful. Not in a, 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 a superior, condescending way. Like, because all we are, we're sinners saved by grace. And praise God, somebody reached out to us. And, we, and the love of Christ touched our heart and walked with us through some difficulties. And that's what we want to do for, for our friends who are unbelievers. And then, okay, let me, before I go to relating to believers, does anybody have any questions on relating to, to unbelievers? How many, let me ask you this, how many of y'all know somebody who is uh, within the LGBT community? Okay, I would think most of you would. If, if you don't, you just have to ha open your eyes because there's somebody in your class that is. Um, how have you found those uh, how have you found any of y'all have a testimony or any sharing of how it's been relating to them as of you as a Christian and they as an unbeliever okay
Well, no, if, if you can't go anywhere, all you, you know. I mean, but I think if we see, because they will use rudeness and intimidation. And do you know what that is? It's actually a sign of insecurity. You know, somebody who is secure in who they are, they don't need to defend themselves. They're very comfortable. If you ever met anybody like, uh, okay. I know y'all take violin or piano or, you know, people that are, are you know, whatever sport or even maybe somebody who is really good in math or uh, in your business, a particular aspect of business, computer programming or all. Somebody who's really good, um, I mean, they might be a little heady, but they're secure in who they are. I mean, there's a security there. Uh, but people who are insecure... Because of that insecurity, they want to intimidate you. Right? you know, they want to prove, they need, feel like they have to prove that they're better than who they really are. And quite often, uh, and now these are all generalizations. We can't say everybody. But quite often, ones that are, can be very aggressive and rude and want to be in your face, it's simply because they're so insecure in who they are uh, that they have to make you insecure in who you are. So oftentimes, uh, you know, if somebody just gets in your face like that, the best thing you can do is actually not react and just smile and just move on. That, is, that irritates them to death because they put all that effort into intimidating and being rude to you and didn't even get a reaction from you. you know, so you just, it, it's just knowing the situations. And all, but it's um, the, so much of this comes ones they're they're seeking an identity, they're they're searching for something, and they're they're so insecure, it, it's tragic. Okay, all right. Now, Stella, is there anything you want to be saying? Or? Okay, all right. Um, now, relating to believers, okay, when somebody that is homosexual becomes a believer. Praise God. I mean, that's a tremendous breakthrough there. But we need to remember, whoops, that, let me see. Yeah. Uh, let's see, get back right here. Okay. That sanctification is a process. You know, when we're saved, we're not instantly made uh, holy and without any sin. You know, is, there's this word called positionally or objective truth, which in Christ you are. But experientially, there's things that we walk, walk through and work through in life, whether it's your temper, whether it's your bad attitude, uh, whatever. We all have things that we have to deal with in life, and so this is um, this is what ones who they've had this been associated within this community. They've had this lifestyle for many years, and now they're having to walk through it, to walk through a whole new lifestyle, and. So they're not going to instantaneously change. You know, do we? Sometimes we can put greater expectations on certain believers than other believers. You know, with a, with a new any new believer, do we expect new believers to just instantaneously change and have no problems anymore? 
I mean, that didn't happen to any of us. <laughs> I think most of us, we still got problems that we're having to work through and learn of the Lord and find His ways in this. Uh, and there's certain temptations that have bugged us our whole life and we still fall into those. But we find as we draw near to the Lord, those, those temptations don't affect us as much. And so we have to understand some of this, the challenges that any new believer has to face. And whether they're they being, particularly for LGBT, if you have a friend who comes to the Lord, they need to, they can be so excited about meeting the Lord. And it's just wonderful and there's a new glow and there's a life within them. But they need to be aware, tragically, that all believers are not going to accept them immediately because of their past. They just need to be aware that some believers are prejudiced in this matter. That's one of the reasons we're trying to have some sessions like this to shatter these prejudicial feelings among believers that they need to be accepted in the Lord. Uh, it doesn't mean that they're a, a saint or anything, but we don't need to ostracize them because they will go through a lot of loneliness. Their whole lifestyle is being changed. This community that they were with that accepted them, made them feel at home, they're now in a whole new community. And so we have to have an understanding there. Um, and publicly, there's not a lot of models out there, not a lot of role models for them. But there really are, uh, in, in Christianity, there's a good number of people that have come out of this and really walking in a straight way or following the Lord in a wonderful way. And there, we can bring, that's one of the reasons for this session is to make us aware of some of those so we can help and encourage them. But we need to make them also aware of some of the struggles that they'll be facing. And it's again, it's like with any new believer. They face struggles. There was, every believer has to go through the process of learning how to overcome the sins that had really stumbled them in the past. In all of the, their past, they had certain things that bothered them. This LGBT, since we're focusing upon that. And now all of the, these things, they had given into it so much in the past. And now... They have to understand that there's this process of not yielding to that temptation, of learning to allow the Lord to, to meet them, of saying no to that temptation and yes to the Lord. And they will not always succeed. People that, whether if you look at some other more outward sins of like alcoholism or, or other matters, they don't, they'll, they'll come to the Lord and at times they'll have some relapses. Some, they make three steps forward, they take a step back. But do we give up on them? We don't. You know, the Lord doesn't give up on them. He, he, when they come back to that place of repentance, we encourage them and we walk with them through this. So they really, ones need friends and to have to be willing to walk through this process. And what can encourage them the most is through some of the struggles that you've had in your own life. You know, the things that you struggle with, whether it's pride, whether it's a temper, whatever you might be struggling with. Maybe you're always, maybe if you're not uh, having the, the homosexual tendencies, maybe you're always thinking of the other sex. You're thinking of heterosexual. You're always wanting this person or that person. And some of the, the thoughts that you have, 
and how the Lord has helped you with that. Share the way, the reality of how the Lord has met you and some of the challenges and problems in your life that can strengthen them. Uh, that's what we, we go through in this. And, and this is how, as we tell them, as, as they say, is they're the same sex, they have the same sex attraction. They're the same as any new of dealing with their past sins. And they have to learn to deal with these current temptations. And how do we, how do we come along their side? How do you, again, how do we come alongside any new believer? We encourage them in the Lord to establish a, a daily relationship with the Lord, that personal, intimate relationship with the Lord, to have a, a time of really knowing God's Word, to have that prayer life, to have a fellowship life, and to really let them see that as they, they go through things, they're not having to go through them alone, but you're there for them, and you can be there. And just that they could see that fellowship. Because our goal is to strengthen their relationship with the Lord. That's what we're looking for. Of how to really help them in the Lord with that. And as we've talking about it, we have to realize too, like for all new believers, all that come, the Lord works in very individual and specific ways. Some will immediately be delivered from all their homosexual temptations. Some, it just, as they get saved, it's, it's that way with any sin. Some people who were liars, they're immediately delivered of that. Some people who cursed all the time were delivered of that. Some who were alcoholics, they were immediately delivered. Others have to work through that. Maybe, and again, you're, share with them a testimony of how the Lord has, has met you. Others will find that over time their homosexual tendencies, that, that temptation decreases. As they come to know the Lord more, that temptation decreases. And they have more and more of the victorious life. Some will find that their homosexual temptations, uh, they, don't, they don't decrease. They're, they're still there within them. And they will live a celibate life. But that, when we talk about living that celibate life, that living a single life is the same requirement for whether you're homosexual or heterosexual. Whatever your desires are, if you're a single person, you have to stay celibate. It's not like it's okay for uh, ones to have heterosexual sex before marriage. No, that's just as evil as homosexual sex before marriage. The issue is living celibate before the Lord uh, if... You're not married. And regardless of the temptations that we have in our life, and the Lord's grace will be there to, to meet them. And there's, there's testimonies of ones who have, are living this life in a victorious way. I don't understand why some people get delivered immediately and some people still struggle with things. Okay, I know in my life I still struggle with things. But we... Uh, Huh? Oh, uh, yeah, I shared this after. Like, in my life, one of the things I still uh, struggle with and I have to be on the, the outlook for is in the matter of gambling. Okay, before I was a believer, I was, um, uh, I loved to gamble. And I was a sailor for six years, so all sailors gamble. That's not a good, and I was a very good poker player. 
And I, I made a lot of money. Uh, I, being an accountant now, I could, knew how to count certain numbers. There's a system of counting numbers and cards and all this stuff. And so I was very good. And, but when I got saved, uh, the Lord convicted me, obviously, that that wasn't good. <laughs> I shouldn't do that. And so, like, for now, uh, as soon as Stella and I got married, uh, I knew that one of the things we've never had in our house is a deck of cards. Never had. Not, not even to try to... I tried one time when I was at the university of... Uh, I said, well, let me try to play bridge. That's more of a refined game. <laughs> you can gamble in bridge, too. And, you know, I mean, I was good. I got a couple of master points. And, you know, so I could... I was, and so, but anyway, I just saw I, I got hooked on that stuff, and so I had. And even today, if we're, if I'm on watching TV or something, and happen to flip a channel, and the World Series of Poker is on there, there's something within me that wants to stay and watch it. Because as soon as I see that screen and I see those hands there, my mind starts immediately calculating, and I know exactly. You know, so I have to quickly flip it, keep going. But it's amazing what. One second on the TV screen, all the thoughts that it can bring into your head. Uh, I've been a believer walking with the Lord. Yes. That there are a lot of other things that get a hook in you too, and you 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 face it. Whether it's alcoholism, drug addiction, sexual addictions, you know, the pornography stuff. You know, we just have to stand for one another and and, uh, not see the LGBT as just over here in this big thing all by itself. There are lots of things that get their hooks into you out there and that's why we have to have a strong personal relationship with the Lord because the enemy wants to grab you with anything that he can get his hook into you with so yeah I mean it's, I was really shocked that Mac had a problem with gambling but praise the Lord you know the one thing I didn't take a gamble on was Stella it was a sure bet from the beginning <laughs> Sometimes, you know, with, with certain people, we can we unconsciously put expectations. So they're saved, they're going to be perfect now, and they can't ever sin. Well, we that's not how the God works. We're, we're a mess when we get saved. And particularly if you've got a little excess baggage, if you've been involved in, you know, like Stella said, the drug addiction or uh, pornography or any of the LGBT stuff or alcohol, some people bring a little more baggage in. And there's a little more cleaning process that has to go through. And it's uh, because our minds have been so conditioned. That's one of the, the, the things that, particularly for you young people, that the, the enemy today, just in this regard, lies to you that there's, 
There's innocent pornography. There's pornography that's really bad. The XXXX site. You can't look at that. And so you don't go to... But we somehow we say, oh, uh, (laughs) we just look at the Sports Illustrated swimsuit website. And you can lust there. And we say, oh, that's just a... that's, That's not harmful. No, what's in your heart? I mean, you're not looking at the swimsuits. And, and it, but it gets a hook in us. And you, what you find is that all of a sudden what satisfied you or brought you a certain feeling all of a sudden doesn't satisfy anymore. You need to try something else. That's how drugs work. You start off something simple like a marijuana. Then you, 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 just, you can take steps on and on and on. And that's how the enemy always works to get a hook in us. So we need to be aware of this and not to think that somehow we're a Christian and I can this I know this area is a sin. I know pornography's bad, but I'm a strong enough Christian, it's not going to affect me. I can handle it. I know enough drug people in my life and every one of them started off saying that they could handle it and they knew when if it came too bad they could stop. And not a one of them did, and some of them are dead. So we, it's the same thing with pornography as I've worked with people on that, or any sin, the alcohol or, or whatever. We, you think you can handle it. And the enemy says, oh, you can handle that. But you, we can't. And so in the days we're living in, there are all these little traps out there to, to get us. And that's why over and over we keep coming back to being strong in the Lord in a very personal and real way. Um, And this is just a reiteration of some of the things we've said about coming alongside ones and sharing real life and listening to them and and making ourselves available. I will tell you that if if somebody comes into your life uh, and the Lord brings this person into your life, uh, and and you find out they've got all these problems, it's going to cost you something. It's going to be inconvenient. I don't know if any of you have ever had a friend and all of a sudden you're, you're together with them and you're leading them to the Lord or they just come to the Lord and all of a sudden they're, they're calling you at midnight, I've got this problem, I need this, I need that. It will, call, it will be inconvenient. You know, our Lord was inconvenienced. <laughs> and He was saying, are we willing to be inconvenienced? You know, I'm not talking about being what we the phrase that's used an enabler or a crutch for them, but are we willing to listen to them when they're going through struggles? They're calling up. I've got this temptation. I've got all these thoughts going through my mind. I'm desiring to go and, and be with this person that I know I shouldn't be with. Are we willing to to be on the phone with them? Are we willing to go to their home to help them to stop that? You know, our Lord was willing. He, he's willing to do that. For us, and are we willing? You know, we can talk about oh, you know, now we're focusing on this LGBT thing. It will be a challenge. There, there's challenges associated with it, uh, just as there are challenges associated with working with any unbeliever, because there they, they will have so much going on in these days. And so we, but one of the things we can do. Uh, with them is the little phrase that gets used is help them identify the triggers that open them up to temptation. 
You know, some people, uh, this may be a certain watching movies, watching TV, uh, listening to certain music things, or what, what thing? Flipping the channel. I mean, uh, I know people, uh, I know one brother, uh, one of the triggers in his life was uh, he always, when he woke up in the morning, uh, if he didn't get right out of bed, if he laid in bed for a few minutes, his mind started having all these sexual fantasies. Okay? So he identified that. He was trying to get set free from sexual addictions, and pornography and everything. And he saw that if he didn't get right up out of bed when the alarm clock went off, that his mind would start imagining things. So it's little things like that that we can help our friends identify. How did, when they say they fell into this, you know, they had this temptation, they fell into, kind of, okay, what, what were you feeling? What was the sensing before that? Why, how did you end up there? Was there something that triggered it, that set it off? And, and identify that and help them not to be in those situations again. So, and also don't downplay Either don't downplay or inflate their struggles because their struggles are real to them. They might not seem real to us. They might not seem that big. I shouldn't say that real. But if they're struggling with something, don't. I don't know if you've ever done this, but like you're really struggling with something in your heart and you go to ask somebody to pray for you and they say, oh, that's nothing. Don't worry about it. And you're just like, it's killing me. What do you mean don't pray no, I mean, it's a real thing for them. But on the other hand, you don't need to inflate it. Oh, that thing is so powerful. I don't know if God can handle that. God can handle it, okay? Yeah. So there's a way of keeping it in balance and perspective of helping them through the situations they're in. And we're always trying to continually bring them to Christ. So, um, some final thoughts here. You know, and we're actually going to cover this a little more because it's late. We're going to the what define who or what defines who you are, and this is particularly in regard to the transgender issue. Uh, but our, our identity is not defined by our actions, our feelings, our culture, or what other people say. Our identity is defined in Christ. Christ is who we are. And that's one of the underlying battles that we see that goes on between humanism and Christianity. In humanism, the man, the person, the human, defines who you are. Humanism defines what's right, what's wrong. It's all relative. But in Christ, Christ says who we are. And this is one of the underlying issues with the transgender. And uh, there were several questions on that. And we can we'll talk about that tomorrow afternoon during the Q and A time. Uh, but we need to be aware there is a, uh, a spiritual agenda out there that is against Christ, and because it's against Christ, it's against us. And so this is why, you know, we're trying to we we accept ones to to be with them, but you know we, we don't we can't go and start participating in what they are. And we're asking them to accept us. And some will and some won't. And, and that's, a, that's a fine distinction because we talk about it, where do you 
draw the line between accepting the person and accepting their actions. And you will find that quite often you really need to um, come back and it's wonderful that you have each other that you can fellowship with. You've got some older ones that you can fellowship with. Because every situation is so unique. Uh, and But the one thing about it is um, the Lord loves we're specifically talked within the LGBT community. The Lord loves each one of them. The Lord died for each one of them. And the Lord is, has the Lord can set each one of them free. The, the, the world would say it, it, it can't be done. Uh, they're impossible. You know, the enemy would lie to us. But the, in the Lord, He is more powerful. And he, he has a way of salvation for them. Tragically, many of them will not accept it. Just like many will not, any unbeliever won't accept Christ. But we don't need to be discouraged or come under the mindset that it's impossible. Because with God, all things are possible. And He can come in and He can transform lives. As I look around here, I see lives that have been transformed. Lives where the Lord came in and touched your hearts and your life. You're still here today. Some of you have made a choice to still be here. If it hadn't been by His grace, some of you might not, you'd be somewhere else. But praise God, by His grace, you've made those choices. You've been through some of the struggles. And you're because of the struggles you've been through, you are a valuable asset in the hand of the Lord to help others. Don't, don't look down on yourself. You might think your struggles are, are, are simple or not very big or who am I only in the 10th grade or 11th grade or 8th grade but you've been through some struggles and that the struggles that you've been through and the way you found Christ in, in through those struggles you can help your friends around you in a very similar way so we want to encourage you in that so I know we're a little bit past our time now uh, but we do have, uh, if you have, I know some of you have already written questions down. If you have more questions, you can write them down and give them to Ezra. Uh, and we will uh, do, main, tomorrow afternoon is just going to be question and answer time. Okay. Did anybody have a burning question that they wanted to ask before we leave? Alright. I didn't think you would. Most people at this hour are not going to. They're not going to be the one to raise their hand and have everybody else look at them and say, why are you asking that now? We can ask it tomorrow. So they see, so that was safe on my part because I knew how you would react. All right. Uh, let's pray. Lord, we're very grateful for your goodness and mercy. And Lord, uh, I appreciate your compassion for all mankind. And specifically, as we've been talking about this subject of LGBT, you have a great compassion for them, as with all unbelievers. So, Lord, uh, show us how to walk in this hour, how to be a good testimony unto them, how to be friends without compromising, and, Lord, how to, to know your way and to to really be that testimony that can draw others to you and as they come to you to be able to walk with them uh, through the battles and struggles of life. Thank you how you've met each one of us in our life. 
And you want to meet others in their lives too, Lord. In Jesus' name, Amen.